Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. Last time we looked at the other 23 teams in League 2, this time it's time to turn our focus on the Mighty Blues. We look at United's prospects for the season, discuss how the squad is stacking up, and we also have a chat with a very special guest, head of the Curtain Open this weekend. We really put the curse on the other day, didn't we? And we said that uh, we managed to do it in one take. New season, same old Lee Rooney, number troubles. <laughs> uh, you know what so, it is? For you the know, uninitiated, uh, we've done that start four times because of someone <laughs> messing up. <laughs> say that. Basically, I'd, I had the word. The, the digits 23 but then the word league 2 not long after it I kept saying 2 instead of 23 uh, it was a a bit of a nightmare but there you go yes it, it, it's time to it's something a little bit different because we didn't really do this last season did we? we we sort of just did the league 2 preview and then went straight into our own preview we're going to do something a little bit different because we've got something special coming up in a minute uh, for you but basically what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at United for the season ahead just sort of general look at how the squad's getting on how pre-season went that's the fixtures that are coming up, basically, and so our thoughts on what we think United can actually achieve over the season, aren't we, Dan? It's, I mean, there's a feeling, you know, we sort of said it the other day, but all, all the all the League 2 previews that have come out in the last seven days or so, and the bookies odds, seem to have us dead set on finishing pretty much in the same position as we did last season, don't they? Yeah, I've got, uh, I drew up a list of where everybody put us, and... The Racing Post had us 19th, when Saturday comes 17th, 442 16th, D3, D4, 18th, and Gabe Sutton had us 19th. Mm. And I think there is a couple more out there who sort of have us in that lower bracket of mid-table. Not enough to bother relegation, just above it sort of thing. And I think we're better than that. And Mm. more annoyingly, they nearly all had battle above us. Yeah, that's the bit. Of, I think this is something that um, the long-time listener and friend of ours, John McGee, pointed out. Is they're all banging on about you know Pete Wilde performed miracles at Halifax. What a great coach he's. What look how he turned around. You know, turned a you know very basic team there into a playoff challenger, and you know he can do the same at Barrow. And then they they also say, "Oh, Paul Simpson can't do it on his own." At Carlisle, what's the difference? Yeah. Other than the Paul Simpsons won two promotions before from like this level, so you know, and a World Cup, yeah. So it's it's it's, it's a very strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Interestingly, our friends at uh, RochdaleAFC.com, who we had on the podcast a few times last season, um, they predicted us to finish twenty third, but I think it's just because they don't like Paul Simpson. <laughs> That's the only reason for that. But um, obviously, having been a former manager there, so so there you go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 exciting times, isn't it? Really, a few days to go until the season starts, you know. We obviously all know that you know there's more to come in terms of incomings from players and that kind of thing, but lots to look forward to. Now we've been trailing this for a while, haven't we, Dan? A special mm. guest coming on the podcast. Mm. We, we we said we were looking to secure a interview, and we were just about fitting around that person's timetable and that kind of thing, and making sure we can get it. So, um, is it time to reveal who it's going to be, Dan? I think it is. Would you like a drum roll so you can do? Oh it? yes, I love a drum roll. It's quite a long drum roll, I'll warn you, so.
Mr. Paul Simpson. The man himself, Carl United manager Paul Simpson. He's he. I still can't believe we actually managed to sort it out. Can, can you, Dan? My lurking in my lurking in bushes <laughs> and car parks paid dividends. <laughs> no, joking apart. Uh, I was talking to Paul briefly at the kit launch when I was picking up a kit for so a fellow blue down south and uh, just basically asking me if he'd fancied coming on. And obviously, uh, big thanks to the media team at Carlisle United for sorting this out for us. Yeah, a big thank you to Andy Hall and Amy Nixon. Got to give them a huge amount of credit to find a time in, in, in Paul's very, very busy schedule. I don't think it's fair to say he's I, I, I think today has been his media day for for the season, hasn't it? Yeah, he's been doing a few few bits and pieces. We we, yeah. we managed to get ourselves in earlier on, and uh, I had a really good chat with him. Actually, I tried to kind of avoid some of the sort of general questions that you know everyone's going to be asking, and, and a few of the bits and pieces. So far, I'd try and cover a couple of the topics. There was a few questions I didn't you know have time to ask because we obviously had to fit around what was. You know, Paul had to speak to other people as well, but he was so gracious with his time and he was very honest and open. And I've got to say, it's the one thing that does stand out with him is that. He doesn't shirk a question. If he, if he's not sure about it, or he doesn't want to talk about it. He, he would tell you, but he never did that with me. He was he was straight in on them, and he was he was very straight talking and very optimistic about hopes for this season, but also realistic at the same time, which was really really good to to hear. So, um, with no further ado, before me and Dan come back in a little bit and uh, start talking about uh, what's happening, you know, what we think of Kyle this season, here's the chat I had with Paul Simpson, head of the new campaign. Paul, thanks for giving up uh, some of your very valuable time, I think it's fair to say, to speak to us ahead of the new season. It's your first pre-season as a first-team manager in 12 years. How have you found it getting back into the uh, the nitty-gritty of it? I've enjoyed it. Um, I've got to be honest with you, you've just thrown a fact at me there I wasn't even aware of. I didn't realise it was my first pre-season. Um, it hasn't felt that way because even when you're an assistant, it's still uh, it's still full on getting everything done, um, making sure all the planning's right and 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 trying to keep the players right. So I've I've really enjoyed it, uh, and I think the one thing I would say, pre-season's easier when the players apply themselves, and the players here this season have have been fantastic. They really have, and it's. You know, I, I make no apology. It's been bloody hard um, and I've purposely made it hard for them um, because I, I, my view is that you have to be fit. To have any chance of being, being a good side, you have to be fit because when you're fit, it gives you the physical strength to do it, but it also gives you the mental strength as well. So you know yeah. you've got the ability to be able to, to run through that brick wall and to be able to, you know, that... I say to them that there's times in training where they will never feel that tired in a game. And when they're thinking they're tired in a game, they've got it in the locker that they know they can go again. So it might be a recovery run. It might be a sprint forward. They know they've got it because they've done it so far in pre-season training. Yeah. We all know the story about you got the Blues job again. Um, but let's go back to February just for a minute. I think all Blues fans are very delighted that you took the role now. But with hindsight... What on earth possessed you to take on what looked like such a lost cause? I mean, I was at that game just before you took charge against Swindon, and it, it's one of the most toxic atmospheres I've ever seen at a car game. And the the players looked just dead and buried. We looked like we were going down without hope. Mm. What did make? You, what made you think? I mean, obviously you mentioned the fact that you watched some clips of the play, but what made you think you could actually turn it around? Well. It was one of them situations where I, I, I can't honestly sit here and say to you that 
I felt it was one of those situations that I could turn around. It, it wasn't a case of that. But I also just thought, why shouldn't I have a go at it? I was sitting at home. I was um, watching the results coming in every week and, and you know, sitting at home watching Gillette Soccer Saturday because I'm not the sort of person who who likes going to football games mm-hmm. if I've got no purpose. Unless If somebody was to say to me, look, will you come along and and do a report on on a player or on a team, or I was doing work for Radio Lancashire, they doing some co-commentary work for them. Um, so I was keeping busy doing that. But I wouldn't just go to a game on a Saturday or a Tuesday night just for the sake of taking in a game and being out there. So I was getting a bit bored, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think my wife Jackie was sick to death of me being in the house and wanting me out of the way because I'm bloody hopeless when it comes to DIY and stuff like that. I can I can turn my hand at a bit of cleaning and a bit of ironing and cooking, but DIY is just not for me. So when the opportunity came, I just thought, why not? Why not give it a go? And I, I knew that it's really hard to get back into a management job in in um, in, in in English football. Um, especially when you are an Englishman and I'm a, uh-huh. I suppose I'm classed as an old Englishman in terms of football coaching. Everybody wants the young up and coming, the coach who thinks he can change the world with a, with a different style of football when really they might do it for a short space of time, but experience counts for something. And I just felt that with my experience that I've got, I may as well have a go and, and see what comes from it. And I came in, I threw myself into it. And I've got to say, I mean, I, I'll be perfectly honest with it. I haven't watched that Swindon game. I don't know what the atmosphere was like in that. I don't know. You know, you described it as toxic. I don't know whether it was like that because I didn't see the point. There was no point yeah. in me looking at that and getting myself worried about it. My my only focus was, right, let's start now. Um, the first time I spoke to the players was the Wednesday afternoon, I think it was. Um, and I just said, right, it starts from now. We've got 15 games to go. It's absolutely irrelevant what's happened in the first 31 because we ain't going to change it. We have to just do something to make the next 15 right. And thankfully, the players applied themselves in that. They they got results. We ground results out. We had some luck. We had some good stuff as well. And um, oh. we're sitting here today with me still in the job. And I also know that if I hadn't have turned it around, then I'd be out of work again. So it was a gamble that was worth taking. And I'm delighted that I did it. A lot of managers coming in that sort of situation quite often make a big deal about the squad maybe not being good enough and bringing in, yeah, having to bring in players. Obviously, in that situation, you couldn't because the transfer window was shut. But you seem to have taken a bit more of a level-headed approach and you seem to believe there's actually a bit of ability in this squad. Do you think sometimes it's overlooked how managers can actually make it, the squad better and coach it better, basically, and, and, and take the squad they're working with already and, and improve it? Yeah, I think... Um... I've got to be honest, it's something that really annoys me. When a manager gets the sack and then somebody else takes over and the first thing they always say is they're not fit enough. I don't know what they've been doing with the previous manager. They don't do this. They don't do that. You know, and I just think, what's the point in saying stuff like that? You know, Mm. nobody's going to benefit from it. I'm sure I'm absolutely positive that Keith Millen and Chris Beach before him last season, did everything that they possibly thought was right to get success success for the team. They didn't, they wouldn't have undertrained them. They wouldn't have overtrained them. They wouldn't have not gone into games with any tactical or, or technical preparation. They're two good football people who we're talking about. So there's no point me going in and, and 
deflecting something onto other people. Those 15 games were my responsibility, just like this season, it's my responsibility. And you have to just get on with it. So um, I don't believe in going and looking back at what's gone on and by, and giving yourself time by blaming somebody else. It's not about that. It's just about trying to make it work and trying to organise them, um, giving them a different voice, trying to make it a, a positive environment, which, again, I'm quite sure Keith and Chris Beach both tried to do. Sometimes it is merely about players. In fact, I'll change that. It is always about players. The players are the ones who go out. It wouldn't matter whether you had Sir Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, um, whoever you want to talk about as top, top, top managers, successful managers. If they're stood in the technical area and players don't want to perform for them, they're not good coaches. And that's the top and bottom of it. The players are the ones who, for me, deserve the credit because they went out for 15 games and, and performed to get enough results to get us to get us to safety this season you know we've put a group of players together that that I believe should be able to get good results this season um, and hopefully they'll be able to do it now on the flip side of that I also am fully aware that if it doesn't work I will be one who gets the blame and I have to take that on the chin in terms of your transfer work this summer, um, Ryan Edmonton is coming obviously from from Leeds. He's someone you worked with before in the England youth set up. He seems to have slotted in really well so far. He seems to be the one who's he's quite happy to lead the line. And he's also you've, something you made a point of is the fact that he really wants to be here. He turned down better offers to come in. Is that not just in terms of him, but is that something you're looking for from any player coming in that you want them to actually come to Carlisle? Yeah, they have to. They've got to want to come to Carlisle. You know, we we're, we're we've been in discussions with players over the summer, and I'm and I'm, you know, I'm saying to them, look, let's have a sit down and have a chat about where we are, what we want to do. Let's talk football. Let's talk location in the country, and we'll go from there. And I'm getting back. Well, no, the contract needs to be X thousand pounds a week, and it's a two year contract before I'll come and speak. And I'll just say, right, forget it then. No, I need to know first. I'm not making you an offer until I know you're coming. You you're coming for the right reasons. I don't want this place to be a you know a, a retirement place for for older players. I don't want it to be a a place where younger players are coming and thinking, well, I'll just go there and it'll keep me ticking over for a year or two. It's not about that because we are working under a tight budget. Totally accept that. That was the the yeah. remit when I when I took over. So it's it's not something that they've suddenly thrown at me. That's that's what we're working under. So every single contract, every pound that we spend of the club's money. It has to be spent wisely, and I have to be clear in my own mind that the players want to come for the right reasons. And I'll be honest, same with the staff as well. I need to know that the staff are here for the right reasons. And thankfully, I look around at the staff and the players that we've got, and I honestly do believe that they're all here for the right reasons. And 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 even if the right reasons are to do really well for Carlisle United and progress to a higher level, don't have a single problem yeah. with them. That's the you know that's the nature of the game we're in. So long as they want to come and work as hard as they possibly can for Carlisle, be the best version of themselves that they can be for Carlisle United, then hopefully we'll all benefit. You mentioned your back, uh, backroom staff there on that topic. I mean, you're, you're obviously working with Gavin Skelton, who's already in in the role assistant. How, how have you found the dynamic of working together with him in the coaching staff? Very good, yeah, very good, and and I actually think it's getting better as well. Um, 
I think at first when I came in, I, I, I think he was a little bit, he sort of held back a little bit, but now he's he's really willing to to come forward with his opinions and and actually question me if I say, well, I want to do this. And he's prepared to say, well, have you thought about doing it like this? You know, why don't we try this way? Um, which I like. And, and I, I've said to them all, I want you to challenge me. I'm not always going to listen, but you know, if I believe it's the right thing, then I then I'll change my mind. So I'm really enjoying working with Gav. He's very good. He's got a brilliant work ethic. Um, really is determined to to try and bring success to Carlisle, and and hopefully we can. Something you obviously made a point of uh, when you took on the role full time after the the brief spell was that you wanted to get someone in to help in terms of the recruitment side. You brought Greg Abbott in, and it seems like an obvious choice now to most people. He's someone who's very passionate about the club and always had a real eye for a player when he was managing his previous spell. How are you finding working with Greg? Really good. Yeah, he's very good. Um, he's he's got so many contacts throughout the throughout the country. Um, he knows people all over. He knows the players, um, and he's he's been a really good sounding board for me not not just in terms of the recruitment but he's experienced in management as well he's experienced in in football and i i don't think you can ever have too many experienced people to be able to speak to and to bounce ideas off and to and to get opinions off and you know i'll i'll sit here now and i'll tell you i don't have all the answers i i do not and and i don't think i ever will have all the answers but I might have the answers to something. Gav might have the answers to something else. Greg might have them. Uh, Gav, uh, Paul Gerrard might have them. Yeah. We've got a group of staff who are all really knowledgeable, really experienced, and as I said earlier, determined to bring success. Talking again about recruitment, um, the loanees you brought in so far this summer, you brought in free. Um, you seem to be quite selective about using this method, if you like to put it that way. Um <laughs> I find in previous seasons, we've often had maybe one or two like that, but you often find players coming on loan just to fill a squad space for the sake of it and then don't get used. Mm. Is that a sort of very deliberate thing that you're being very careful in terms of who you're bringing on loan? Yeah, definitely. Um, Again, they've got to be right for the group. Um, There's no point bringing people in if they're, firstly, if they're not able to do the job which they're there to do, which is perform for the team. Um. They have to, that's the first and foremost, they have to do that. And and again, going back to the budgeting side of it, loans are not free. They're yeah. all, and, and one thing I'm finding this year, um, they're actually getting more expensive. It used to be that, you know, the, the, the players that we've brought have been delighted with the, the the help that the other clubs have given us to bring them in. Uh, they're, they're helping on their contracts, which is massive for us. So, we ha- firstly, they have to be able to do the job. Secondly, we have to be able to afford them. And we've tried for other loans, but we haven't been able to afford them. It's as simple as that. So we have to move on. I- I've got a big thing that, and I've had to just learn this over time in, in football, that you can stamp your feet if you don't get a player that you wanted, but nobody cares. Nobody really bothers about what you haven't got. We've just got to focus on what, what we can get and what we have got. And I think if we do that, we'll all just keep calm about it and we won't uh, we won't get too carried away. It's been mentioned a few times that you've uh, leaned on your contacts in terms of working the FA, in terms of getting players like that on loan. Have you spoken to your old boss, Steve McLaren, yet? He's obviously in a role now at Manchester United assistant. Have you? Obviously, I know he's been away on, on tour in Australia and that kind of thing, but mm. have you had a chance to speak to him, potentially? I did. I spoke to him um 
I spoke to him when he got the job first, and then um, I spoke to him again uh, probably about a week before they went away to uh, to Australia. Um, they had this sort of thirty six year old Portuguese fella who was causing a few stirs, but I did think he was I think he was out of our uh, out of our remit really. But no, I'm delighted for Steve. It's an absolutely fantastic job for him. Um, I'm not sure how delighted his wife wife Catherine is about it. I think she, they were both ready for retirement. But when something like Manchester United comes along for him, I, I, I think it was a it was a bit of a no brainer. And obviously, he knows Eric Ten Hag from his time over at FC Twente when um, Ten Hag was one of his assistants. So they've got a good relationship. And I think, uh, well, I, I you know I, I know what Steve's like. I think he will he will be very good for Eric Ten Hag, and, I, and I'm quite sure he'd be very good for Man United. Um, you spent quite a long time away from league management, obviously, in terms of you've been assistant for clubs and you obviously work with the FA. Um, what's the biggest thing you took from working with the national team setup that you reckon has improved you as a coach? Um, I think um, the biggest thing was I had to learn more on the analysis side. So I've learned how to use... Um, the uh, the analysis equipment that that you have to do with players now so i'm 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 able to actually sit with a computer and clip games and and go back and make short videos and stuff we were big on that with the players i think the the other side of it is when you're working for the fa you have months and months of planning for a camp and then you have enough time to have a review of the camp as well so your planning and your review is done to the minute detail and that's something that I've taken into uh, into management as well, making sure that I'm planning properly and reviewing games um, because that wasn't something that was part of management years ago. Probably when I was at Preston, it was just starting to come in. I think we had an, 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 um, an analyst who was an intern from um, the local university who was literally meeting us as the coach arrived back at the stadium at Deepdale, taking it away and we'd get it back Monday morning. Whereas now, you know, I get on the coach after a game and Jacob has already got it, you know, he's, he's, he's already coded the game whilst it was going on live. He gets it onto my laptop so I can literally watch the game back on the way back. And, you know, I, I one of the things that we used at the FA, we split the pitch into, or we split the game into six sections. We have in possession is build the attack, create the attack, finish the attack. Out of possession is high press, mid block, uh, low block. And I literally have all six sections of the game clipped. So if I want, if I think we've been rubbish in the middle of the pitch when we're in possession, I just click on the CTA section. I can look at all of our create the attack um, phases of the game and see where we are with it. So that's something that's really advanced over years since I was last managing. And uh, the FA certainly emphasised that really, really a lot for me that that's important as a coach um, and as a manager to make sure that you do that properly. So I learned a lot of things. I made a decision after Stockport because that was such a horrendous decision mm. of mine. So one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my football career to take that job. Um, and well, well, maybe not to take the job, but to the lies and the, the cheating that went on behind my back were a disgrace. And it actually put me off. It put me off football, if I'm going to be honest mm. with you. I, I actually thought I don't want to be involved in this game. Um, so I went away and decided I needed to have a, a little rethink. 
I had about 14 months where I was out of work and I was doing a house up. Um, we'd made a decision to move back to Stockport because I was told it was a, a, a three-year plan. We moved, we bought a house. Um, I'd actually been sacked before we even moved into the house. So I had a massive renovation job to do on this house. So me and my wife, Jackie, we did all the donkey work and all the real heavy duty stripping walls, knocking walls down. And then we got people who knew what they were doing to come in and put it all back together again. And um, so that was a really good time of to, to reflect and to learn what I needed to do differently. And I made a decision that I needed a few years out to go and um, probably learn from other people and learn other parts of the job. Um, it took me a lot longer to to get back into it but I had a brilliant adventure in those if it was 12 years like you said earlier I had a brilliant adventure for 12 years learned a lot saw a lot traveled the world um, picked up a few little accolades along the way so it was brilliant and now I feel ready to go back again yeah um, you, you mentioned after returning that you felt there were certain aspects of the club that hadn't changed since you were last in charge and there needed to be improvements in terms of facilities that kind of thing What's the one thing you'd like to change the most at the club? Oh wow, only one. Um, <laughs> I think if uh, I think the big thing that we need, um, we need a better training facility. That's mm-hmm. the that's the top and bottom of it. Um, you know, you you've got to have, you have to have a good training facility to be able to go and do the work consistently over the season. And I've got to say. From, I mean, when I first came in, in it, I think it was February, I can't remember now. Yeah. Whenever I first came in, we weren't able to train on our pitch out at the back because it had recently flooded. And we, we trained, we did a, a one or two sessions up at Crichton Rugby Club. We did a couple of sessions up at Gretna. Um, and the Gretna surface was excellent. Really, really good to go and get some proper coaching sessions on that on that that area um but then after that we were able to come back onto our own pitch here at the stadium and we've trained on there since so it's you know it's been really good in my time here but at the moment we have one grass pitch um we you can't you know the, the, when when you're taking a coaching session this was one of the things i learned when i was when i first started coaching with under eights and under nines you have to be organized and you have to try and set your session up so it's like um it's like a bit of a carousel. So you start with one area and then the next area is already set up and you move around and you move around and it, and it all flows nicely. When you're working with under eights and under nines, if that's not the case, they're scrapping with each other. You've got two or three crying, you've got them climbing fences and all that sort of stuff. So you have to be organized. And that, I learned that a long, long time ago, but it's exactly the same with first team players as well with senior players. If you don't have it organized properly, they find you out, they they notice it, and there's a lull between the sessions. So you might do your first part. They have to be able to just have a, a drink break and come straight on to the next bit, and it has to have a flow to it. So, you know, I'm quite fortunate that we have staff here who, once the first bit's done, they're scurrying around behind me, picking up the bits of it and making sure that we're ready for the next part of it. So everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows where it's going. And I think if you've got an extra area that you can use, that works a lot better. You can you mm-hmm. can make it work better. So, And also it keeps it a good quality as well. So if there was one major thing for this football club, I think if we could have 
an extra grass pitch or an extra grass pitch and another area that would make such a difference we've got a brilliant gym really really mm-hmm. well stacked uh, stocked gym um we've got the changing rooms are okay the medical room is okay so we're, we're okay in those sorts of things but it's the it's that infrastructure that needs to be right in a if you want to live and you want to work in an elite environment Obviously, the, the first game of the season comes up this weekend and all the, the bookies are getting the rods out and all the uh, various websites and news outlets are giving their <laughs> previews. And it's interesting to know that they're all fairly consistent. They all seem to think we're only going to make a very slight improvement this season. Good. Are you hap- are you happy for us to go a bit under the radar? Do you think that helps take a little bit of pressure off the players? Um, I think there's there's always pressure on players. And it's not it's always a strange one because... It, it's not life and death, is it? It's not pressure that a surgeon's working under. It's not pressure that police mm-hmm. and nurses are working under and fire fire people. It's not It's not pressure like that. There is a pressure to win games because there's an expectation. Um, I'm, I'm realistic. You know, I, I know what we're working to here. And, and the truth of it is, in terms of where we are with what we can spend, the, the average... The average for over the last three years is probably about 18th in the league table. So if we can finish higher than 18th, we've sort of defied the last three years of budgeting to final league position. And that's not me making that up. Somebody in the in the football league th- threw a graph at us on an EFL Zoom meeting with all the managers uh, last week or the week before. So it's quite an interesting stat for me to see. So it made me realise we've got a lot of bloody work to do here to make sure that we are successful um, and we are making it better than last season. And and that's my challenge this season is to be better than last year. I want to try and keep the real positive energy that we've got in the supporters at the moment, positive energy that we've got around the football club. And the only way we're going to do it is by winning games. I want to get as many supporters into our stadium as we can, many as many as we possibly can away from home. And to do that, we have to win. Simple. So let's start this weekend. Let's make sure we give a right good show of ourselves and um, we come away with a positive result. And I'll be yeah. honest, I don't even care what the bookmakers think. <laughs> Paul, you've, you've been very kind with your time, so I'll just quickly wrap up one more question. Um quite a simple one you've also mentioned the fact that you know this is a long-term project it's not a quick overnight fix but what would you constitute a success this season for me success will be being in the top half of the table that it's as simple as that I'm not yeah. I, I've listen I'm starting this season and I want to win as many games as we possibly can starting with Crawley um, but with where we currently are as a football club, if we can make sure that we're not in a relegation battle and we're in the top half of the table, I would be absolutely delighted at that. Just that that's that's where my head is at this moment in time. Paul, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I think I can speak on behalf of all Carla fans here and say all the best for the coming season. Thank you very much. Once again, just got to say, Huge thank you to Paul and to Amy and Andy and the media team for starting out. Really appreciate it. It was great to have a good chat with Paul ahead of the season. And it just could see how optimistic he is about our chances, you know, aiming for a top half finish, Dan. You know, that that's that's really what we should be going for, isn't it? I know a lot of people would love to us to be up in the top seven and challenge at the top, but you know, when you look at the way people are predicting us to finish, top half finish would be a fantastic achievement. Yeah, definitely. Um I <laughs> 
I honestly think we can go actually a little bit higher, but mm. I don't. I think you know a manager is never going to say, you know, we're going to win the league. You know, you'll never find a manager say that. But I think deep down, I think Paul Simpson will be thinking, you know, if things go our way, we start well, we we strengthen well in January. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, what, sorry, one 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 thing. Um, yeah. Going back to the League Two preview, after the top four or five, I really struggled mm. because there's a whole plethora of teams, and any one of that pack could come out and challenge. Yeah. And I genuinely think, why can't we be in there? It's mad because I've seen some people predict Doncaster to be in the top seven, then I've seen other people predict them at twentieth. Yeah, in the league, yeah. It's, it's it's a crazy, crazy league. I genuinely think it's wide open and getting off to a good start is going to be a key thing. Um, just some of the other things that um, that he he mentioned there, obviously, is the fact that um, <laughs> recruitment wise, we're just being a bit more careful in who we bring in. We want people who want to come here, don't we? And that's what you want to hear. You want to hear manager who says like, "I don't want the first thing them to be talking to me about me with is money. I want them to, to speak to them and see what they're like and see if they really, really want to come to this club." And hey, you get the hey, impression hey, hey. that's happening. Transfer news happens I've when we're on. That. I've just seen that. I've just seen a message about <laughs> yeah. that. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in just a sec. Yeah, but yeah it's, just, it's, not, it's nothing massive, but it's no, a sensible one. Yes, it is. From what I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, just like like I said, it it, it, it sounds like he's basically, he, he wants to talk to his base, look them in the eye and say, do you want to come to Cali? Do you want to, you know, th- is this important to you? I don't want this to be a retirement home. He said that a couple of times now, hasn't he? And, yeah. And it's really good to hear, isn't it? The fact that we are targeting players in that way, especially low knees. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But again, that that goes back to what we've said. You know, Paul and Greg have got, you know, they've, they've got contacts coming out of their ears. They're not just, you know, picking randoms. They're, they're taking, you know, they're using the, the contacts. They're getting proper players. Yeah, definitely. You, you can see that, can't you? Even with the low knees, I mean... The, the attitude that Bach seems to have since he's come in as well seems to be fantastic. And, you know, Sonny Hilton's coming in. Yeah, he might not start maybe such, so much at the start of the season, but he seems to have a really good attitude and he seems quite happy to come in and fight for his place in the team, doesn't he? Which is, is exactly what you want because we've had too many loanies coming in. Once they don't get a chance in the team, they just sulk, don't they? And, but before you know it, they're gone, basically. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, that was uh, really good to see as well. Um, go on then, let's, let's, let's quickly do this little bit of transfer news. Then we'll cover it tomorrow's episode, as well, sorry, the, the weekend preview episode as well. But uh, Yeah, really the, the club have just announced that uh, young first-year pro Max Killsby is going to Annan on a half-season loan. Now, the interesting thing here, it will be half-season because yeah. even though he's only going 10 miles up the road, it's deemed an international transfer. Yeah. Because it's English League to Scottish League, so... Can't be recalled. Well, he can be recalled, but he can't play if he is. Yeah, I think he'd be able to play in, like, res- like friendlies, reserve yeah, players, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But, but I'd say it's a fantastic move, that. I'd, I'd, yeah. It's one that I think it, it, it makes much more sense these days, because Alan have done really well over the last couple of seasons under Peter Murphy, haven't they? And we've seen it, you know, Owen Moxon, just how well he's done. So it, it, it's a good move for him, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Really pleased with that one. Right, I think that covers the first half of the show then, Dan. So uh, we'll take a little quick break and then we'll be back to talk about all things Cal United for the new season. Hi, it's Morgan Feeney and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. We're very proud to say that once again this season, the podcast has been sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. 
The London Branch is open to all Kyanite fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston, Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events, sports games, and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. Is he going to be the captain? That's the big question. Morgan Feeney's a bit of a interest to see what happens there. Simo doesn't sound interested in it at all. From not the interview he did with us, but from other interviews he's done, he doesn't care really. He's about the captain to see. He's just like whatever whoever's captain will be captain. So, so there you go. Um, yeah, Dan. So new season nearly upon us. Uh, just a general sort of but How are you actually feeling? Obviously, we recorded. The, the Lee 2 preview after the Morecambe game. We did an episode before the Morecambe game as well. In pre-season, we've not played maybe championship-level teams as we've done in the past, but we've played two decent League 1 outfits, picked up a win and a draw where, by all accounts, we probably should have won. You know, finish would be a bit better. It, just, it, it does give you a bit of confidence, doesn't it? You don't want necessarily to blow every single team away, but there's stuff to work on, but not stuff that can't be fixed. I think we've played more realistic opposition. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to Morgan, but I fully expect them to be in a relegation battle yeah. this season. Uh, I think, don't get me wrong, Cole Stockton had an unreal season. They'll rely heavily on him. Yeah. Uh, by all accounts, I, c- I couldn't make Saturday, but I'm I'm told that Morgan didn't look that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we bossed the game a bit. And at the end of the day, they are League One. And coming a week after, we've done similar to Bolton, who are a much better, yeah, a much better team. Uh, that's all good. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, isn't it? Um, looking at those preseason fixtures, like I said, there we've obviously played those two League One clubs. We've not played as many bigger teams, but those Scottish teams are interesting ones as well because they. As you mentioned before, they're ahead of us in terms of fitness, aren't they? Because their yeah, season yeah. started basically at the start of July. Yeah, yeah. So overall, from moving on from those non-league sides to then playing these Scottish and you know League One sides, it's been good prep, hasn't it? And, and you can see the thing that's standing out is the fitness levels, isn't it? That's the one thing that people keep saying: how fit we look, how I mean, how much we're harrying the opposition when they're in possession, that kind of thing. The sort of thing we weren't really seeing, for instance, under Keith Millen during his spell in charge of Sydney, even under Beach in the first half of the season, were we? Yeah. Um, you know, John Mellish is the roadrunner yeah. and he obviously gets to sit out at the end of sessions because he just runs, runs, runs. But when, when experienced pros like Christian Dennis are saying, Christ, where fit? Yeah, that that tells you something, you know. I mean, that's that's someone who's into what his fifteenth preseason as a pro, roughly yeah. fourteen, fifteen. Uh, there was an interview with Jack Armour on the official site. He was saying, you know, I've, you know, we've really felt it this year. And that sort of maybe suggests that the last couple of years, and every manager says, "Oh, yeah. we'll be the fittest ever," but it certainly suggests that, uh, you know, we're a, we're a lot fitter. Simo did make an interesting point in the interview we had with him in, in the fact that it's not just about in terms of being able to run more and that kind of thing. It's the mental fitness as well, isn't it? If you're tired, you get a bit of mental fatigue too and you, you start making mistakes, you start making loose passes, you make the wrong decisions. Being fit and being able to do the ring everything also means that later on in the games, your decision making is a lot better, doesn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, also, Simmons also talked about uh, he wants finishers on the bench as well. Yeah. You know, starters and finishers, something he feels he didn't have last season. Whereas you look at the bench on Saturday at Morecambe, we we had Amari Patrick on the bench. You know, we had uh, Jamie Devitt on the bench. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're still waiting to hear what the situation with yeah. Jamie Devitt. But, you know, th- there was options there. Whereas, yeah. you know, Brennan Dickinson missed out because he's got a little bit... Taylor Charters is injured at the moment. You know, Joel Senior's out a little bit. You know, there's, when everyone's fit, we're going to have proper options on the bench. And yeah. that's that's a massive thing for me. Yeah, that, that that does make a huge difference. In fairness, it's 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 one thing that does stand out. You look at the bench. I mean, even even after Simo took over last season, the options were very very limited. You were basically relying on Christian and Toby to come off the bench and give you something in terms of goals. And then in terms of midfield, poor Brennan Dickinson at times has been running to the ground in a position he doesn't normally play because we just didn't have the options coming off the bench to support him, did we? It was it was a really tough sort of. Um, Sell for him, I think it's fair to say. Let's let's talk about the recruitment then, Dan, and how we think that's gone over the summer. Probably not been as busy as some may have hoped, but as we said there before in the first half of the show, it's a lot more focused, isn't it? You feel like they're going out specifically for players who can do roles, who can fill positions who we need, basically, instead of just signing players for the sake of it. I mean, I, I go back to it, but I mean, it's a little bit different because it was right at the end of the window, but signing Jonathan Dinsey last season that lad was never ever going to be a regular starter for us it was a you know, it was a waste of a signing basically but he was brought in because we were desperate and we need to bring someone in but this time it just feels like when we we're looking at a player we're thinking is this player going to come in and actually challenge is he going to do a role and so far the, the work that Greg and Simmer have done it, it's pretty good isn't it yeah uh, I think something that Paul Simpson has mentioned two or three times is He's not expecting to do it all in one window. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you use it as a long-term project, uh, yes, you'd like to get everyone in by 1st of July or whatever. Football doesn't work like that. No. We could have players that have turned us down now. Come January, they've only played six games because their own team have brought people in and yeah. you'll see their agents ring up and say, oh, are you uh, still interested? Simmons well, doesn't seem as keen on going back to those places. Yeah, yeah, I, I do get that, but I'm sure there's there's odd ones you would make exception for if you think mm. they would make a massive difference. Yeah. I mean, I think we all still think there's another defender coming in. Yeah, uh, the fact that Killsby's gone out on loan is possibly an indicator. Yeah, because yes, he's only backup, but he's still squad backup, so. Is uh, another defender coming in with the number six shirt still available? Yeah. I know everybody would love it to be Diddle Simu. <laughs> I, I, I can't see it. Don't get me wrong, I'd be happy if it was. Yeah. But given that we've already got a defender in at the back in Barkley yeah. and Finn back at right back, I would... Will... Uh, see, that go, again, Paul Simpson sort of said he doesn't expect much to happen in terms of full-time transfers now before the end of the window so it's a teaser you know I've still got this image of Reese Bennett reappearing I really have (laughs) I don't know why he just he he fits doesn't he experience knows a club 
would walk in. But uh, jo- joking apart, there's there's still work to be done. That some of the players we've got now will maybe move on in January. You know, it's yeah. it's a uh, interesting time. It really is. I mean, looking. I mean, obviously, it looks like we're going to play three-five-two this season. It's not three-four-three or you know, variations of that, aren't we? Basically, interesting. Simo's basically said, hasn't he, that when he's looked at it, quite often you think I've got to build a squad to work around what I want to play. Simo's been quite adaptable, hasn't he? In that he's basically said, no, actually, I'm going to look at what we've got and see how actually we can get the best out of them. And he yeah. maybe looks at players like. Like he likes maybe Mellish and thinks, well, he works really well in the back three because he can get forward a little bit as well and play through dropping cover. Colin he, he, Guy suits his John, John Mellish bringing the ball out almost becomes a 4 4, a yeah. 4 3 or a 4 4 yeah. at, at points, you know. Yeah. And, and, and even though like a Mario Patrick playing as a, a striker in that role isn't really a striker because he's got a bit of freedom to, to drift out to the wings and spot well, the wing backs. It, it, it's the same with uh, whether Gibson or Hilton play, you know, I mean. Yeah signs are they're going to be sort of a 10 role behind the two forwards but who's to say we won't leave say Edmondson up front and Patrick and Gibson or Hilton go wide so it's more yeah. more of a free at the front you know it's interesting he actually played Gibson as a, for a period against Morecambe as a right wing back didn't mm. he because he said he wanted mm. to have a look and see whether this you know late on in a game when we're chasing a game Someone who's got a bit that attacking ability getting mm. forward a bit more. So that mm. that was an interesting little. Uh, yeah, you you could put him at right wing back and bring on a, a Hilton or a Devitt if he gets a deal. Yeah. You know, to you know, again, it's it's that goes back to the starters and finishers thing, and yeah. you know the strength in depth. Yeah, well, let, let's let's talk. Go through uh, position by position and have a look at some of the players you've got in. So, starting off, obviously at the back with the goalkeepers, um, Thomas Holy. Come in, look pretty solid from what we can see. You know, he's a, he's a big lad, staying the, the bloody obvious there. Um, is, is there still a feeling we could maybe do with getting a backup keeper in, or are we quite comfortable with the idea of just Holy at the moment? I think at the moment I'm comfortable with just Holy. Uh, we've got the two young lads. I would like to see at least one of them go out on loan. Yeah. If Holy does get injured because of their inexperience, we can bring a loan in, yeah. so it's not as important, I would say. It wouldn't surprise me if we did bring one in, possibly towards the end of August, when players are desperate for a deal, you know. Yeah, but it, it, it does seem like he's basically saying, well, Hurley's my number one, so mm-hmm. actually getting someone else in isn't as much of a concern. It means basically Thomas can concentrate on his job without someone suddenly coming last minute and thinking, oh shit, now my, you know, my place is under threat. Yeah, of course, you want players to be strong enough to cope with that. But at the same time, when you're prepping for the start of the season, on the flip side, you want you want keep your keeper to, to be comfortable knowing his, his role's there. So, yeah, it, it's, I, I'd agree with you. I, th- I think I'd like to see one of Breeze or Simons. It seems like Breeze is ahead of Simons at the moment. So maybe Simons going out on loan somewhere would be a good idea if we find like a National League North. So, so yeah, maybe look at that. Um, Defence. So um, in that position... Simmons made it very clear that he wants to bring another one in. Obviously, we mentioned there, Max Kilsby's now gone out on loan. That means you've actually got, I'm just counting here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, def- well, eight defenders if you include Ellis. But in that, I'm including Jack Ellis. I'm also including Joel Senior's out till November. So you've really got six senior defenders. I'm not including Brendan Dickinson there because he's a bit more of an attacking wing back, isn't he? Um, feeling again like 
happy enough with what we've got there, but probably need, just need a little bit more there. I think we need one more in. Uh, if you look at right wing back, we've got Finn back and Joel Senior to come back. Yeah. Obviously, we've got Ellis as well. Left wing back, I know you said not to count him, but we've got Armour yeah, and Dickinson. Yeah. In the middle, we've got Barkley, Mellish, Feeney and Corey Whelan, who's, yeah. who's been a bit of a forgotten man, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, as we said earlier, he's in another episode, he's impressed Paul Simpson. So I think we'll get one more in the middle. I do. Yeah. Because the like the likes the likes of Whelan can cover on the right in an emergency, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Ben Barkley coming is an interesting one because a lot of people sort of scoffed when he first came in. But he, he, he seems to have done pretty well in the preseason games. I think he's played he's, pretty much every game since he's come in. I think people thought he was more of an inexperienced like a Finn back or someone, but yeah. he's he's played plenty of games and yeah. it's essentially a one year deal for him. Yeah. You know, on yes, he's on loan, but essentially we signed him for the season. Is his contract we, up at the end of the season? No, he's got another point. year. Yeah, okay, I couldn't remember. But you know, I mean, it, it could be by then. You know, there could be a deal to be done. He's probably on too much money at the moment because he yeah. turned down Accrington to go there yeah. when they were conference. But if Stockport aren't interested in a year's time, there could be a deal to be done if he's done well here. Again, I was discussing this one with John McGee. He's got shades of the James Barrett about him in that. To fans, when he first comes in, he's quite underwhelming. But actually, he could well come in and do a really good job. And you're like, well, you know what? Well, that's one of those ones you pick up that you just don't expect from nowhere and turns out to be a really important part of the team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, we've got we've got a young central defence. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Morgan Feen is a similar age. John Mellish. John Mellish isn't the oldest lad going. He's only about 24, if that's... It's fact that John Mellish is younger than Ben Barkley. Yeah, yeah. Ben Barkley's twenty five, and Mellish is twenty four. <laughs> so, so there you go. There's there's your difference. But uh, but yeah, like I said, I think another big season with John Mellish. He's going to get a chance to actually play the centre back he was brought in to be, basically. So really, really good chance for him to show what he's done. And and we we, oh, we all love Morgan Feeney, don't we? So I don't think we need to say much more on that. And as we said before on the on the previous episode, Brendan Dickens at left wing back. We we really think he could be the one to make it if mm. he could really step up and be the player we really hope we'd sign when he first came in, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, midfield. Um, I don't think this is an area where, again, maybe you'd want one more in, possibly. I, I, I would want one more in because yeah. we, we, we've said Dickinson's a left wing back. Yes, he can go into midfield, but actual fit central midfield, as I'm talking middle of the park, We've only really got Callum Guy and Owen Moxon at the moment. Yeah. Because Charters is out for several weeks and Dixon's out long term. Yeah. And Jamie Devitt's not signed yet. <laughs> Devitt hasn't signed. I think, as we said, I think when he does, if he does sign, saying when, if, if he does sign, he'll probably play deeper than he sort of has previously. Yeah. And whereas someone like Hilton and Gibson are more attacking yeah. tens. So I, I would possibly like to see another come in the middle it wouldn't surprise me if we did get a free agent in there because yeah. there's still some uh decent, decent. players kicking yeah. about we mentioned it we all predicted he well i think a few of us predicted he was going to play the season this season owen moxon he just slotted in like he's, he's been there for years <laughs> yeah. hasn't he? he looks i mean what strikes me about him is his physicality and the fact that in the in the footage I've seen, he's constantly in there nicking the ball off places, yeah, yeah. harassing people, and 
he look. I mean, it'd be great to see him get a couple of goals, well, hopefully. But he he looks like he's going to make a really big impact this season. Yeah, I uh, I think it might have actually shocked Callum Guy a little bit. Hmm. You know, because they they won't know, know about. They'll know this lad's coming. They'll think, oh, he's just come for Man, and it'll maybe take a, a few weeks. But he's uh, he's stepped up to the plate massively. You know, he's he's come in, and he looks like he's been there for years. So it's uh, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good to see. And also, you mentioned that Callum guy there. You know, so he didn't didn't have the best of seasons last season after his you know first full season was, mm. was so fantastic. But I mean, the whole team was struggling. As, a bit, as, it? It I think he'll have a bit of a point to prove this season. Yeah, and and I know Simo isn't bothered too much about captaincy, but if Feeney does take the band, means guy doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, which might let him concentrate more on playing. Yeah, that, that's that's the hope, isn't it? Really, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I just briefly mentioned obviously we mentioned Sonny Hill before, but yeah, hopefully you know he might not start too much at the start. We think you know because he's just getting used to playing league football. But someone we think who can make a really big impact on the team this season, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, into attack then. Before we uh, just have a quick look at the first few fixtures for the season. Um, in the attack, I'm just looking here. I mean, there's I think seven players listed as attackers. On uh, transfer market, uh, you're looking Jordan Gibson, Amari Patrick, Lewis Bell, Christian Dennis, Toby Shaw, Silver, Ryan Edmondson, and Sam Fishburn. Fishburn does seem to have dropped a bit down the pecking order. We've said it before. It, he, he needs he a lot of spells. He has had an injury, to be fair. Yeah. He was out early. And yeah. Lewis Bell just hasn't featured much. I, w- I would suggest those two would benefit from first team football somewhere. They definitely need a loan spot. I mean, yeah. for them, maybe you try and get them to a non-league club in England so you yeah. can recall them if you really need to. Yeah, but yeah. they definitely need it. What you've got remaining then is actually, you know, players all. I mean, Dennis is at 32, he's a bit older, but all the rest of them in their prime, really. Edmonton, 21. Toby Show Silver's 27. And I, I Patrick, like, 26. And Gibson, 24. They, I you know. quite like our mix of strikers. We've got a bit of everything because yeah. Patrick can play central or wide. He's got yeah. pace. Yeah. Dennis is your fox in the box. Edmondson is like a better Derek Holmes, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if he's, de- if, if he's Derek Holmes level, that'll be brilliant. Yeah. If he's better, even better. And Toby isn't a bad backup from the bench. I can't I can't see Toby starting too many games, but... He's, he makes an impact. He, he does, he's doesn't he's, he's, he's got a knack. He's got he, that knack. He feels a lot more composed when he comes off the bench as well. It's a strange yeah. thing, isn't it? You'd yeah. think quite often players struggle to make that impact off the bench. But he really does. When he gets the ball off the bench, he, he looks a bit more comfortable. He looks like he's more in control than the rest of the players on the team. So I, I really hope he can continue to make the impact he, he did towards the end of last season because he, he became, a, you know, the first couple of games he played, people were a bit worried who who we signed here. But actually, he turned out to be, a, like I said, a useful sort of player coming in. You've mentioned Dennis quite a few times, Dan, as, as your tip for top score and that kind of thing. How, how many do you reckon he can get this season? I see no reason why he can't get 15. Yeah. 15, I'll just double check there. Yeah. <laughs> Not 15. I actually think we're going to have one of those where we maybe won't have an out-and-out scorer, but they'll be spread about a bit because yeah. they've all got their own little unique characteristics. Yeah. You know, if if all four of them score 10 to 12, that's a blooming good start. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That. And 40 to 50 goals, you know. Yeah, and then, and then you've, you've got Jordan Gibson chipping in with goals as well. You know, he gets yeah, a fair yeah. few as well. He gets a few and, from distance. You know, like some Moxon and Guy, if they can get a couple, you know, Barkley and Feeney and Mellish get a couple, it soon adds up. Yeah, I think Gibson as well is someone who can really make an, an impact. He's just such a good technical little player, isn't he? I think yeah, yeah. There's things he needs to improve in his game, but I, I think he's one who genuinely 
if we can get him tied down for a longer deal as well, he could make us a bit of money actually. He's only twenty four. Yeah. And he's shown all the right characteristics to be a really big player for us, hasn't he? So yeah, in attack actually, we're not we're not too badly stuck. You maybe get one more player in there, maybe, but mm-hmm. other than that, I think we're, we're pretty well stocked. Uh, before we finish up, let's have a quick look through the fixtures then, Dan, that are coming up. Um, <clears throat> so we open up against Crawley, the, the toughish test, you know, they made some interesting signings over the summer. And then we follow up with a trip to Colchester. Now, Colchester are the team that a lot of us have predicted to struggle, aren't we? Yes. That, that is, again, a real chance to put a marker down on a team that, you know, people seem to think we're going to finish around the same place as. If we can go there and get a result, that really puts us in a good position, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh... And then we've got uh, Swindon up here, which was yeah. obviously the turning point fixture last season. I think Swindon will be quite a good measure because I don't think they're going to be quite as good as last season, but yeah. they've still got some good players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that'll be quite a good marker yeah. Yeah. compared to you know the next three games, Grimsby and Stevenage away, Gillingham at home. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. interesting ones, aren't they? Because they, again... For the opening fixtures we've got, we've avoided all your, your Bradfords, your mm. Mansfield, your Northamptons, your Stockports, um, even your Doncasters, people like that. Well, your, your first one of those we play is Mansfield away on a Tuesday night in September. If we can get a good start off, yeah, yeah, then we become a team that they fear coming down yeah, to them, yeah, basically. Yeah. That, that's what you hope, isn't it, when you look at it. I genuinely think there's a good chance to put a good marker down here and get a decent level. Maybe yeah. they'll have a little unbeaten run going at the start of the season, possibly even. They'll probably put a curse on it now and we'll lose against Crawley. But um, but yeah, it's a good chance to do that. And then obviously you, you missed out there. The, the cup game against Shrewsbury Town, I mean, early on in the season, you always get funny results in the, in the League Cup. And a good run in that competition could really... Really put us in a good place for the season ahead, couldn't it? Mm. I, I think I think it depends. If you get through your first round, you want a good second round draw. Yeah. Is it, it when when you get the bad second round draw, it feels a bit of a waste almost. Yeah, that, that's the key thing. Yeah. There's a few times we've had that, and you think, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. We've had, we've had well, we'll have to get to the third round now to get Liverpool. Instead, yeah, yeah. As yeah, we did, yeah. but uh, but yeah, no, that, I agree with you. It's it's it, it's a good opportunity, but but yeah, over that first month or so. It, there's a really good chance for us to, to put our marker down, I think. And then, I mean, even actually going it just sorry, briefly going into September, your first two fixtures in September are Rochdale at home and Harrogate away. You get two teams that you, you'd expect are probably going to be struggling a bit this season. Yeah, yeah. There's a massive opportunity there to really get off to a good start, but but that that's what it's all dependent on, is it? You know, you've got you've got to get flying out the traps against Crawley because the one thing someone pointed out, I think it was, I think we only scored for like five first half goals or something. In, in long periods last season. So I can't Spe- speaking of the Crawley game, it was interesting yeah. the club tweeted yesterday or the day before that a thousand tickets ahead of where they were from yeah. the start of last season. Yeah. And I think last season we had 6 3 for the first game. Yeah, so we could get us so 7,000 be fantastic. You could be looking at 7 plus, you know, which yeah. would be a. Yeah, if well, we last, get, uh, and last season we were playing. Go on, sorry. Colchester, wasn't it? Yeah, so they didn't bring a big, a big away following. Cr- Crawley aren't going to either, are they? No, no. In, uh, we'll, we'll actually we'll, we'll discuss Crawley on the the preview episode coming later in the week. But um, after that, pretty much sums it up. Then done, doesn't it? Um, mm. Interesting. I forgot to ask you the question I was going to ask you. I'll quickly ask you it now. This, this little question I'll come up for this week's episode. Um, so my, my question was: Can you name the last three players to score on their debut for Cal United? I'm not including the paint trophy here. Um, I think it is just league games for check it for last three players to score on their debut in league games for us and the last player to get sent off on his debut in a in league game for us Oof, yeah, that's them? a good one yeah do they go back far yeah um 
three years. I'm just checking. I'm three last last three last three seasons. Last two seasons. Oh, so it doesn't go back that far. Uh, no, in fact, so yes, the last three seasons for the um, for the goal scorers, the red cards a few years back further than that. Oh, let me have a think. I'm trying to think. Who did we play first last season? It's not no, necessarily we, in the first game of the season. I no, no, say. we we drew, didn't we? Nil, nil. Uh, I'm trying to think who. To, to give you a clue, there was one last season, and then there was two. Not this last the season before that, but the season before that. <sighs> Interesting. Uh, Trying to think, last season. All I'd say is that the one from last season didn't make much of an impact beyond this. <laughs> wasn't Mampala, was it? No, that he was no. in a trophy game, so I don't count that. Right. Uh, I wonder if... Was it January? Could be. Uh, oh, who scored at... I'm not, I should say, I'm not counting Amari Patrick in this. Because he, um, because he, his was the only second debut, so that doesn't count. Owen Windsor. Yes, Owen Windsor. Last place he scored. Who was it? Who did he Port score? Vale. Paul Vale. That was and it. We ended up losing three one. I was, just, I was just trying to think who we signed in January. Yeah. So the other two are from Stephen Presley's last season in charge. You are. The other two were from Stephen Presley's last season in charge. Oof, Christ. Uh, what was that, 1920? <laughs> yep, 1920 season. Uh, McCurdy? Yep, McCurdy was one of them. And in Oh, the... he scored on the first day. Was he it was... Scoogle? No, Scoogle had already played. I know, he, he came, came in the January, didn't he? So it was actually the game after that. It was away at Swindon that the other player scored. Sagath? Yes, our Somalian king. Oh, there you go. That's that's a trio, isn't it? For last last yeah. three players to score on the debut for us, and the last player to be sent off on his debut for us. Oh Christ! Was it a first game of the season? This was a first game of the season. Yeah, going Ooh. back, to, going back to twenty sixteen. Oh, thinking uh, at Portsmouth. Hayden yeah. White was it? No. He, he did get some of a pause for this. Oh, no, Jamie Devitt. Jamie Devitt. Jamie Devitt is the right yeah, answer. There yeah, you go. Well, sorry. Whenever I think of was sending off at Portsmouth, <laughs> Hayden White's the automatic answer because <laughs> it was amazing. It was, a, it was hilariously yeah. stupid record I've seen. Yeah, Jamie Devitt sent off on his debut for two bookings, basically. Yeah, yeah. One of three red cards he had from him. You don't really think of that, do you? You think of him as a flair play, but he's had a few, you know, he's had a few yeah, red cards. Yeah, yeah. So. so there you go. Well, that's mm. it then for for this week's, uh, well, this, this very, I suppose, special episode, isn't it? Almost. Is yeah. It? Call United preview and a fantastic interview with Paul Simpson's over here. Once again, big thank you to the media team for, for helping us sort that out. We'll, we're looking at maybe sorting out a few player interviews over the season as well. We're going to see if we can get something fitted in. But uh, but there you go, Dan. Um, we're going to be back in a couple of days. <laughs> Quick turnaround, but we're going to be doing a, the, the Crawley preview again, which we've got a chat with a Crawley fan to fit in there like we've been doing all of last season and a few of a little bits as well. We might see if we can get some new bits in there. But uh Big thank you once again to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back for that one in a couple of days. But other than that, it's time to say up the blues. Up the blues.